Hello and welcome to the European Hoops podcast. We are a Sportsitas presentation. We bring you all the coverage you need of the EuroLeague. Three times a week, every Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, we recap and preview all the action and cover all the news surrounding the competition. Join us on this ride and learn more about some of the best basketball played in the world. Make sure you don't miss any episodes by subscribing to the podcast and follow us on Twitter at Itus EuroLeague. My name is André and these are my co-hosts, Tiago Cordeiro and Diogo Valente. How are you guys doing? I'm fine, André. Let's talk a thing that we like the most. How are you doing, Diogo? I'm good, guys. Let's get to it. On this episode, we will be recapping all the nine games of round 30, besides the rescheduled games between Fenerbahce and Milano. Some programming notes to start the show. Heading into the last doubleheader week of the season, we will be posting a preview of round 31st on Monday, the preview of round 32nd on Wednesday. Thursday, we bring you the recap of round 31. And the recap of round 32 comes out on Monday of the following week when we will go back to our normal schedule with episodes coming out on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. We start by recapping the rescheduled game between Fenerbahce and Milano. Milano won 75-82. The MVP of the game was Napier with 26 points, 2 rebounds and 1 steal. TLC had 90 points, 1 rebound and 1 steal. Motley was the best for the, the home team with 22 points, 9 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal. Milano keeps performing as one of the best teams in the EuroLeague. Napier impact has been extraordinary since he arrived to the team. He really unlocked their offense. He was again unstoppable and Fenerbahce couldn't find ways to, to stop him while struggling offensively, shooting only 37.7% field goal on this game. Tiago, what were the keys for Milano to, to lock this win? On this game, the key uh, for Milano to lock this win uh, was the fact that Milan was the first team to stop the one-on-one situations. Uh, both teams did it, but Milano did it first, and that's that's why they were uh, on the game uh, since the beginning. And uh, the fact that Napier is playing such a high level, I think that uh, he probably now he will, he would enter on our top five point guards. I think I think I can talk for Diogo too. Uh, you can, you can, you can. <laughs> okay, nice. Uh, but yeah, the fact that Milano started to get some stops uh, and then the offense, they were killing it. Uh, that's why they won this game. Yeah, it was a very good exhibition of one of the hottest teams in the EuroLeague. And we will get to preview their fall, uh, recap their following game where they got their eighth win in the last nine games. But Diogo, what is your breakdown of this game? Uh, I agree with Thiago. Uh, on this game, uh, it was about uh, which team could step up defensively to, to take over. Um On Milano's side, their problem was never the, the defensive end. Uh, it was just offensively, and Napier has came in and unlocked that whole team's dynamics offensively. Um, and for Fenerbahce, uh, I just think that they, they, were, they were not able to get to the line uh, while they were struggling offensively. And I think that would have been a, a good way to, to score some points and to maybe get some confidence. But they, they only shot seven for, for nine from the free throw line. So I think that was a big problem and they, they struggled a lot from three. So it's a tough loss for them. Uh, Milano is obviously playing at a very high level. Uh, Napier, even on this game, he didn't have a single assist, but he scored 26. So he's always producing offensively and, and that whole team is just completely transformed. So uh, it's a great win for Milano. It's taking a while for Fenerbahce to start performing at uh, the level that they can and to incorporate their new pieces. This was another great performance by Milano and they were like worthy winners. Let's continue and let's move on to Serbia where Red Star received and beat the Basconia 74-63. The MVP of the game was Luka Mitrovic with 8.7 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 steal and 1 block. Nedovic had 20 points, 1 rebound, 1 assist and 2 steals, while Darius Thompson was again the best for Basconia with 15 points, 5 rebounds and 6 assists. Mitrovic came out of this game as an MVP and he personified a lot of what Red Star did to lock this win. Basconia had a double digit lead early in the game but Red Star answered by being extra aggressive on defense what led to a 14-0 run while keeping Basconi scoreless for seven minutes. This allowed them to go into halftime with a one-point lead. They kept building from that. They were able to shut down one of the best offenses of the competition, allowing only 37 points on the last three quarters of the game, what is truly impressive. With four rounds to go, Basconi is now in eighth place, side with Zalgiris, one win ahead of FS Milano and Valencia, and two wins above Red Star and Virtus. This was a great showing of Red Star, making their claim to belong in the playoff fight. 
even if they are likely trailing too far behind. The lack of consistency likely was their downfall in this edition of the EuroLeague and the reason why they are not closer to the playoff fight and very likely won't make it. Tiago, what clicked on the second quarter for Red Star to start annihilating the powerful Bosconia offense? That was about the defense. And uh, on the second quarter... Um... Cervantes Vezda scored 18 against uh, 12. And the next one uh, was 11. Basconi scored just 11 on the third quarter. I think that uh, if they, c- they could step up on defense uh, in the entire season, Cervantes uh, Vezda would be uh, in a better situation. And in the offense, they started evolving all guys, exploring a lot of pick-and-roll situations with Mitrovic, uh, with uh, some guys uh, spreading the floor. Um, and we already know that Basconi is, is not a good defensive team and they explore that uh, a lot. So that's why they win this game. And on the defensive side, that's our, uh, I, I forgot to mention that Cervantes Vezda started to play defense on uh, what was letting Basconi to be on the game. Because Basconi uh, was on the game on the first quarter because of the post game. Uh, and they started that. So... Uh, that was amazing to see. It was a high-level exhibition from the, the home team and really showing flashes that they can compete with uh, any team in this league. Yeah, this was a game where both teams struggled a lot offensively. Um, the shooting percentages are, are not good, even the free throw percentage. Uh, but but like Thiago said, it was all about the defense. Um, Red Star forced uh, 19 turnovers for Basconia. And I think playing at home, uh, being able to to steal the, to get steals and to go off on transition, I think that's the the best advantage that Restar has. So I think they were able to do that. And then having Nedovic come off the bench is always a luxury to have, and he scored twenty. So they played a pretty good game. Uh, being able to to hold down Basconia to sixty three points, it's not easy to do. And I don't know if if Basconia has had a game this season where they score this low. Uh, but this was a very good defensive performance by Red Star, and, I, and for sure that was the key to the game. Absolutely. Let's move on to Greece, where Paratinaikos received Barcelona. The visitors won the game 74-88. The MVP of the game was Nikola Mirotic, which is 26-3. Thomas Satoransky had 8-9-9 and 1 still, flirting with the triple-double on this game, while Papa Giannis was the best for the home team with 19 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists and 2 blocks. Paratinaikos started this game strong and were ahead 16-8 with about 5 minutes played. But after trailing by 11 points, Barcelona went into halftime with a 7-point lead, 35-43. Barcelona was able to show some more personality that they have been doing during the season, with that being able to answer to runs from their opponents. This will be a key for them in the postseason. Behind a revamped home crowd by Paratinaikos, they were able to keep fighting to stay in the game, getting close at times, but never all the way there. In the end, Barcelona's superior roster was too much to handle, and the the road team secured the win. Barcelona is now in third place with uh, 20 wins and 10 losses record, tied with Monaco and two wins ahead of Fenerbahce. The highlight of this game was the the stands that were way more composed than they have been for a lot of games this season for Paratinaikos. This is a strong sign that Paratinaikos is flashing signs of improvement. Mirotic shined bright in this environment, showing why he has a case to be the best player in the competition. Tiago, is Paratinaikos Arena the EuroLeague Madison Square Garden? <laughs> for sure, it's such an emblematic arena. Uh, but I think that we can compare Panathinaikos um, more to the New York Knicks because uh, we're seeing a lot of uh, the free agents that we supposed supposed to have on these off seasons getting targeted target by them, a lot of them. So yeah, we can compare even more Panathinaikos to New York Knicks. <laughs> but mm-hmm. being being more serious, uh, I like a lot what uh, Panathinaikos uh, are are doing in some periods of the game. On the first quarter, they were playing uh, such a good basketball, involving all guys. Papa Giannis uh, was playing amazing and getting some easy looks for him. Um, Even Matt Thomas shown that uh, he can have a a playmaking role on this team. He can be the the main guy, but he's shown that he can can get that job done. So yeah, uh, they can ke- they can keep uh, building from this. I think that they they have some quality pieces. 
So wonder if they can build for the next season. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you, Paratina, because it's maybe lacking the, the depth or, or in the roster. They are like a few pieces away of uh, coming back to the top of the EuroLeague where they, they probably belong and have been historically. But uh, they are giving very good signs of that and it's delightful to, to see them and they are very good supporters to start getting back together. Diogo, did you enjoy this game? Yeah, uh, like Thiago said, uh, Panathinaikos started the game very well. Uh, but after the first quarter, Barcelona flipped the switch and then they, they just dominated the rest of it. Um, they shot nearly 60% from the field and the rebounding numbers to me are crazy in this game because Barcelona won 42 to 18. So I don't see how you can win a game winning just 18 rebounds. And I think that was the, the biggest difference here. And Obviously, other than the fact that Barcelona has much more options and talent, but still, Panathinaikos was playing pretty good, and then Barcelona just just started turning up. And even though Panathinaikos forced 18 turnovers for Barcelona, they they were not able to capitalize on that, and they had a, a very bad shooting night. And for for Barcelona, having Mirotic and Saransky playing at this level, this is what they need to to keep happening because. I don't. I don't think they can rely on the rest of the guys as number one options, and I think they need these two to be at a at a very high level for them to to be real contenders. Because we've seen the inconsistency of this of this team, so I think these two need to be at this level for them to to stay consistent and for the other guys to to feel less pressure. Uh, I think uh, to perform. And this was a very good win on the road. We we know Panathinaikos is always good at home. So I just think Barcelona needs to keep building from this performance and attack the playoffs as the, the containers that they should be. For Panathinaikos, I agree with you guys. Uh, I'm looking forward to see what they can do next year. They have some in interesting pieces. I just think they need to find the, the right coach, which should be Pablo Lasso, uh, and add the, the right guys to the mix and I think they will be just fine. The rumors and reports co continue to go around that and seems like Pablo Lasso is, won't be the coach after all, after he being reported to, to have agreed on a three-year deal. Now, Ataman, that if he leaves Zephyrs, seems to be the, the top contender, but we will wait for the off-season and, and see what happens on that front. I think a primary playmaker and the guards is one of their, their big needs, but for sure they will be able to, to address it. Barcelona, as you were saying, and uh, I absolutely agree with you, Satoransky and Mirotic are keys in the, one of the big pieces that have been giving them the ability to punch back and to, to answer to other teams' runs has been Vesely. His energy on the on the glass has been very big for Barcelona and he has been crucial for them in, in some moments of the games. I don't expect him to be a high-minutes game, but he, he can provide them high-level play at, uh, at some point of the game and I think that they have some very good pieces to, if they do, as you just said, can rely on Mirotic and Satoransky to dominate the game for them. The game becomes easy for the high-level players that they have around them and on their roster. Let's continue and let's go to Berlin where probably the surprise of the, the week happened. Alva won 95-93 against FS. Jalen Smith had an impressive game with 25 points, one rebound, four assists, two steals and one block. Law had 16 points, two rebounds and two assists, while Misic was the, the best one for FS and was unstoppable at moments with 13 points, quite four rebounds, three assists and two steals. Oh boy. That uh, Alba can be a feisty team, we know, but the uh, defending champion Zephyrs coming into this game only halfway into the third quarter when Alba already had the 19-point leads and with the playoffs on the line, I personally think it's in a inadmissible. After blowing up the, the lead that Alba had, they had to come back from a seven-point deficit and they did. Uh, Vifas allowed them to, to do so, with merit for Alba, of course, but uh, FS simply wasn't able to keep up and to perform when they had to. In the end of the game, Tamir Blatt with a three tied the game and Sigma with a putback secured this victory for the, the home team. A very impressive and well-fought victory for, for Alba. The playoffs are not out of the picture for, for FS. They stand in 10th place, one win below 8th place, but they simply cannot lose games like this one and they really put themselves on a hard position. Tiago, 
what went wrong for Ephes in this game? Was only the lack of focus early on, or was Alba able to show them some tactical tweaks that got them in trouble? Of course, we have to congratulate Alba Berlin because it's a huge win for them. But I think it's about the focus of, on the Ephes side. Because it's about, you know, at this moment of the season, it's about if you can flip the switch or not, if you can play defense, if you can evolve all your guys and uh, get easy looks. Uh, but yeah, in my opinion, it was the defense, the key. Uh, at this moment of the season, you have to play defense to prepare the playoffs and uh, you can't afford to to uh, Alba to score 24 on you, 25 and 27 in the last, in the last quarter and you can't punch back. Uh, in three, in four quarters, uh, Alba won three of them, and it's concerning for me. And on the on the offensive side, uh, FS stays predictable uh, as we used to because they only had thirteen assists, and Alba Berlin just did it twenty six. So I don't know what they they're trying to do, but I think the playoffs are are getting too hard for them. They certainly don't have an easy pattern ahead. Now, with four runs to go, we, we can only keep tracking it and see if uh, they can find some solutions because they show flashes of being able to, to compete and not perform. They just need to find some way to consistency. Yeah, for sure, the, the assist numbers, like Thiago mentioned, uh, I mean, that just goes to, sh- that just goes to show uh, the lack of ball movement that FH has offensively. Uh, Misic going for 30, but it's mostly on pick and rolls and, and driving to the basket. Uh, it's not a lot of ball sharing, so I think that's a big reason why they... Not that they struggle, because obviously they scored 93 points, uh, but to match Alba's 95, I mean, they have to move the ball. They have to shoot more threes, like we've been saying. They they don't do that, so they keep losing, and it's all on them, like... We have to give credit to the other teams, of course, but it's their fault because they, they're they not maximizing the, their abilities and their players' abilities. So I think it's a very disappointing season for them. Um, but credit to Albert Berlin, man, because uh, I said uh, last week um, when they lost the game, we were low and Jalen Smith did not score the ball very well. And on this game, Jalen Smith with 25 Low with 16, uh, Sigma, Thiago's guy, uh, passing the ball with eight assists. So they play a very good game and they deserve this win. Uh, and for FH, man, it's just disappointing. Like, uh, I don't have much more to say. Um, I do think they will miss the playoffs after winning back-to-back championships. That's very bad. So it's on them. Yeah, they are clearly underperforming at a very evident level when they they need to do it the most and it seems to go besides the ability to play basketball there is no doubt about the quality of those players it seems to be in a way psychologically and uh, tactically that they are not being able to maximize what they are able to do on the positive side Alba has been a fun team to watch when they are healthy the fight between both German teams is getting interesting with Alba trailing just two wins below Bayern and uh, probably too far with just uh, four runs to go. Alba trying to make a claim to be in the contention to be the, the best German team in competition and that's always a positive thing and something we want to see between all of these teams competing for the EuroLeague title but also for their nation, national claims. But uh, from a disappointing effort, let's move on to a Maccabi that is peaking on the, the right moment and a team that is really enjoyable to watch. They went to Haswell home and they won by clear 67-85. Wade Baldwin, the fourth, was the MVP of the game and had 23 points, three rebounds, seven assists and one steal. Ponzi Colson had 16-5, one steal and one block, while Fall was the best for the home team with 9-5 and one steal. Haswell was only able to put up a fight on the first quarter after a better start from Maccabi that started the game 6-12. Maccabi came together as a team to secure this important road win. They are fifth of the season. They were powered by the best court in the competition on offense, but it was Maccabi's second half defensive performance, allowing only 24 points in the whole second half. That was the key to lock this win. Maccabi now stands in sixth place with 17 wins and 13 losses, one win behind Fenerbahce and two wins above the, the playoff cut line. 
while being tied with Partizan. Tiago, this was a great win and performance for Maccabi. What are the most important aspects of their game we need to look at for the rest of the season and very likely in the postseason? Their strength that they're showing us was were lacking uh, at some point of the season. I think they're, they're stepping up on defense at the right moment. Uh, I know I'm I'm mentioning a lot of defense, but at this point of the season, uh, you can just win games and win playoff series by playing defense. They're playing sneaky good defense. Uh, 67 points against Asvel is really good. And since we said that they need to share the ball, because on a previous game they only had five assists or something like that, uh, they're involving all guys. They're, they're sharing the ball. They had 15 assists. That is really good for them. So they're playing such a good basketball and picking at the right moment. Uh, I think that uh, it's. I think that they will be on the playoff for sure. It's it's a lock. Okay, so like Thiago mentioned, obviously uh, they are playing very good defense right now. But to me, the key is that the the best court in Euroleague keeps proving that they are the best backcourt in Euroleague. Uh, Wade Baldwin has probably been Euroleague's best player in the past month. He's been playing at such a high level. Even the the assisting duties are, are going to him. He's having like seven, eight assists almost every game now. And Lorenzo is kind of just scoring the ball more. But the, both of them, they are playing so good. And obviously, we know Asvel does not have the, the talent or the options to keep up with the playoff teams. And after a, a close first half, Maccabi came out of halftime break to take over the game and they ended up blowing them out. Uh, they keep rolling. They are playing so good lately. Uh, like you guys said, they are picking at the right time. They could be in the fight for a home court spot. So it's a great job by them. And I, I just want to keep seeing them play and that backcourt. Uh, I mean, I think like, like, like we talked about on previous episodes about the, about the top three backcourts in EuroLeague. I mean, they just keep proving that they are number one. So I can't wait to see them in the playoffs. Man. Do you think that uh, Maccabi has the defensive chops to... Because I, I absolutely agree with what Tiago said. At this time of the competition, it's a lot about defense, and especially in Europe. The ability of performing defensively, of course, you need to have the, the people to execute on offense, but if you are on top of the standings, you do. Do you think that they have the defensive chops to, to compete in the postseason? Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say defensive ability but they are a very athletic team they are a big team and they are long so even though they are not the best defenders i think they can bother a lot of people and a lot of teams so i think they could put up a good fight in a in a first round of the playoffs depending on who the matchup is of course um, but i think that i think they can be they can do a good job on the first round and giving problems to some of these Uh, top team. I think we have clearly a top seven of teams, maybe top eight. If we were to include Milano here, how would you guys like rank them? Let's let's make a quick version of poor rankings. Let's call it like that. But just of the top teams, I, I still have Fenerbahce and Barcelona on top. Then uh, I have Real Madrid. Uh, below those two teams, I think those three are the the top teams. Olympiacos right there with with Real Madrid. They are a very good team. I just don't think that they have the go to guy to close the games. I have Monaco probably at a very similar level with Olympiacos, with Monaco has been showing. And right below them, I have Maccabi, Partizan, Milan. How would you rank those those three teams between Maccabi, Partizan, Milan? And would you rank any of those three teams above? Uh, above the, the top five that uh, I, I said. Let's start with Diogo here. I'll probably have um, Barcelona, one. Real, two. Uh, Olympiacos, three. Fenerbahce, four. Monaco, five. Uh, Maccabian Partizan is very tough. Uh, just because of that backward, I'll probably have Maccabi. Okay. Uh, six. Partizan, seven. And eight, I mean, whoever we're considering Milano. Yeah, I'm not even speaking about like locks for playoffs because that will be tricky for Milano. I'm just about the level that teams are playing right now. And yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, I just okay. wonder if Milan would be above these teams or, or not. Above, nah, I don't think. I mean, yeah, we needed to see more of it, but they could be in that fight for sure because they they had they have a great roster and they've always had. They just needed 
Napier to to unlock that. Tiag, do you agree that this is a top eight of Euro League right now? Yeah, in terms of performance, yeah, but we can. Milan is playing with. Uh, it's not playing under pressure, if you can say that. Uh, they were, of course, but it's not a, a situation that they have to go to the playoffs. So that's why I think that they're play, they're playing such a good basketball. Uh, and I think that Partizan might might be on the same tier than Monaco, in my opinion, in the in the fifth spot. In the in, yeah, in the fifth spot, uh, I, I I could consider them above Monaco the way they're playing. I wouldn't disagree with that, but in terms of um, how they are playing and their team play, I just think that um, having those go-to guys and those elite uh, playmakers as Monaco do. It, uh, in playoff setting, it makes makes a big difference. That's why I will give an edge to Monaco there. But in terms of regular season performance, then yes, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. If like if seasons were starting now and we knew how the teams are performing now, I would have them in a very close tier of where they would end uh, the season. But in terms of playoff, I still give some edge to Monaco backcourt. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I agree with you too. I, I think that these eight teams are, are clearly the eight teams performing. The best in the Euro League right now. Let's see if Milano still has some hope to get into the eighth place. But let's we will be hitting that on our next episode when we will be previewing the the first hand of the double header week. So let's move on and let's recap the game between Fenerbahce and Zalgiris. The home team won 87-79. The MVP of the game was Nigel Hayes Davis with 19-6-2 and two steals. Jackery had 13-5-2 and one block, while Hayes was the best for the visiting team with 12. 9-1 and 1 block. This was a game between two teams with something to fight for. Fenerbahce now with a 18 wins and 12 losses record in his fifth. Two wins below Monaco and Barcelona and one ahead of Maccabi and Partizan. Zalgiris is 9, tied for 8 with Pasconia with a 15-15 and 15 record. Zalgiris fought hard, but couldn't quite get all the way back into this game. Fenerbahce secured this 8-point win, despite losing the second half 41-44. This was a hard-fought game, as they usually are with Zalgiris playing. But one of the highlights of the game for me was Nigel Hayes-Davis' improved offensive game in full display on this one, and his aggressivity on offense paying off, falling out both uh, Schmitz and Brazakis to important pieces for Zalgiris. On his post-game interview, the MVP pointed out that uh, his mom will be very upset with him for missing free throws. He said, my mama hates when I miss free throws. Sorry, mom, that uh, I missed so many free throws. She will be so mad that I didn't score 20 points because I missed three free throws. It was a very sweet moment showing a player and the team that is in the right mind space to, to attack the rest of the season. The home team shot 9 out of 18 from 3. The ability to make shots was the key for the team to bounce back after their loss against Milano, wasn't it, Tiago? Yeah, for sure. When when you can get uh, 9 out of 18, it's a really good percentage. It's a really good field goal for them. Uh, and on the games, on previous games that they can shoot and then can they can score uh, in such a high level, it's it's a, it's a win for them. So uh, I wonder if they can get uh, better on defense because against Zalgiris, they you, you can afford to suffer eighty uh, almost eighty points. Um, and you could and you could see this on the game because Zalgiris were comfortable playing and getting some easy looks on the backdoor cuts. But yeah, the Fenerbahce bigs uh, play real good, exploring uh, what is lacking on Zalgiris, uh, and it's a really good win for them. They're picking on the, uh, in the right moment. Wonder if they can play a defense on the next games. They are showing to be able to tactically take advantage of uh, matchups on. on any given game and they have the, the depth and solutions on this game they didn't have Bielitsa Carson Edwards played just four minutes they had good performances by Goodery Jackie Nigel Hayes Davis as we just spoke that had to play almost uh, 40 minutes they were down some players they are still integrating uh, Dorsey that is slowly starting to, to gain a, a bigger role Diogo what are the keys for this Fenerbahce team to succeed and win it all? Well this game started very sloppy for both teams uh, but Fenerbahce especially. Um, they had seven total turnovers and five of them were in the first quarter. Um, I think what kept them um, in the game and in the lead was the fact that Zalgiris made a, a change in the starting lineup that I, I really didn't understand. 
because they had Isaiah Taylor and Leka Vicius both available for the game, and they started Dimsa at the point guard. And Fenerbahce was able to to put up a, a full-court press, and they got stops as well because of it. Uh, and then once the rotation started, uh, Fenerbahce benefited from it a lot because guys like Dorsey and Jack Erie, they came off the bench scoring and having a, a big impact on the game. And then, like you said, uh, Nigel Hayes-Davis continues to show his improvements offensively with 19 points on this one. So this is a very good uh, bounce-back win. Zagreb is always a tough opponent. So it's a good win for them. Uh, I think they win it be- because of Itudis. Like you guys mentioned, the, the tactical aspect of the of the games, I think Itudis is a very good coach and he's doing a great job with this team. So it's a good win for them. They needed it. They are on their last straw to, to hang onto your life and to try to fight for home court advantage. What do you think it will be the, the worst matchup possible for this Fenerbahce team in the playoffs? Monaco, Barcelona, Real or Olympiacos? Uh, I think the, the worst opponent for them on a first round matchup would be Olympiacos because on one of the games they lost by 27 and on the other game they lost by 20. So this season they have shown zero ability to, to compete with Olympiacos. So I don't know if if they had a matchup on the playoffs, I don't know how, how Fenerbahce would feel about it. Uh, I'm guessing the confidence wouldn't be too high. So I think that probably is the, the worst matchup for them. Thiago, what do you think? I agree with you, Diogo, because they, they can't, um, they couldn't win against uh, Olympiacos. And I think about, it's about the fit on on, on the 5-on-5 five five situations, that I think that Olympiacos uh, has a lot of mismatches against uh, this Fenerbahce team. And I think it's about... Uh, Olympiacos is a really good defense and shown against Fenerbahce. Uh, guys like Thomas Walkup, uh, Makizic, they can, they can be uh, really good defenders. And in the playoffs, defense matters a lot. So I... I think that Olympiacos would be uh, the worst team for them to play. I think they will be able to to compete with any of the teams, but uh, losing home court advantage, as I think they will, it uh, puts them in a tricky position for for the playoffs. I still have them as strong contenders to be in the final four, but uh, it won't be an easy path for them for sure. And I agree with you guys that Olympiacos give them some some big challenges. Another thing that we have been noticing with Fenerbahce is that their ability to win games and to to be at their best it comes with their ability to be shooting well when uh, they can. It's it's not even about finding easy shots. They usually are able to do it. It's about uh, making them, and uh, making shots will be will be key for Fenerbahce's success. When I think that will come with the time and all the players being available and being at their best. If they can achieve that, I think Fenerbahce is one one strong contender. If they cannot, or if they they will be inconsistent, I think. Uh, any of the, the top four teams at this moment can can beat them. And uh, Olympiacos, for sure, is a good pick to, to, to be the biggest challenge. Let's continue and let's move on to Italy, where Virtus received and uh, lost against Real Madrid, 79-96. The MVP of the game was Yabosele with 24-6-3. Ezonje had 26-2, two steals and one block, while Bellinelli was the best for the home team with 26-2-4. After heading into halftime down 17 points, Virtus was able to answer with a strong third quarter, but Real punched back, making use of their strong and deep roster, securing this win. They shot 15 from 30 from three points, had 18 assists and 40 rebounds to to guarantee this victory. On this game, we saw the impact of uh, Walter Tavares when uh, he's on and off the floor. At the end of the game, he had a plus-minus of plus 24, by far the best of the team. With him on the floor, Virtus was totally unable to attack the basket and they really struggled to find other solutions to compete. Bellinelli was by far the highlight for the the home team, shooting 6 of 9 from 3. Virtus likely is out of the playoff contention and they stand in 13 with uh, 2 wins below 8, while Real with this win, stays in the the fight for the top spot in the standings, tied with Olympiacos with 21 wins and two losses, but with disadvantage on the head-to-head tiebreaker. Tiago, what did Real do so well on this game to come out of of it with such a dominant victory? Finally, Real Madrid has a three-point field goal uh, on the on the 50 percent. We waited so long for to see this, <laughs> and 
uh, it's a lot for them. Uh, 15 out of 30 attempts, it's really good. Uh, let's see if they can keep up or kind of being uh, near from this. Uh, I think if they can do near from this on the playoff, uh, they'll be good for sure. They'll be a, a final four lock. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's like you mentioned it. You can see the difference when Walter uh, Tavares is on and off the floor. Uh, with him on the floor, Virtus has to close on him a lot on the point, and you let other guys shine. Um, so yeah, it's really good to see Real Madrid playing uh, right now against uh, against this Virtus team. They're out of the playoffs, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, some guys stepped up. Mario Ezonia is really good to see him playing at the full display with 26 points. Yeah, it was a great performance by Ezonia on offense and Real really needs to, to have their best players performing at their best. They don't need they all to do it in every single game. They have enough depth and options, but they need them to, to be able to step up and perform. And Tavares' impact has been massive on both sides of the court, as you just wisely pointed out. Yeah, I agree with Thiago. Uh, mostly the the part, the three-point shooting part, uh, finally, right? <laughs> I mean, they went 15 for 30. That's insane. And that's why they dominated this game from the beginning to the end. And then... Uh, like Thiago mentioned also, um, Ezonia scoring 26, also Yabuzel scoring 24. Yeah, 24. Um, this just shows how good Real Madrid can be. Like with all the, the options they have, the roster they have, they can't be as dependent on Musa and Tavarj. And on this game, they just they showed just that uh, the potential that this team has when other guys step up. It's through the roof. Uh, I think they can be uh, the favorites or the main contenders uh, playing like this. So I, I just hope they keep it up for the playoffs uh, so that we can see some some high-level basketball. Uh, yeah. On Virtus' side, uh, Bellinelli had a crazy game, but without Milos, uh, they just didn't have much to counter Real Madrid's firepower. So this was a blowout and a, a very good win for Real Madrid on the road. And maybe they can still get to that number one seed. We'll see. Uh, but it's a very good win for them. And Real Madrid not only shot well, but uh, their range was unlimited on this game with Yabosale scoring from their own free throw line a three-pointer <laughs> to, to close the first half. It was a game that really went well for them. And Yabosale also had a very high-level performance that uh, was worth the MVP award distinction in the end of the game. Let's continue to another team that is performing at a very good level and picking at the right time. As we like to say, Monaco received and beated Valencia, 90-79. The MVP of the game was Donta Hall with 10 points, 13 rebounds and 2 blocks. He's just a walking double-double game after game. Elio Cobo had 12 points, 2 rebounds, 7 assists and 2 steals. While Chris Jones was the best for the visitors with 17, 2 and 3. Valencia had an early 8-point lead, but Monarchs stepped up defensively and took advantage of their transition game, building a 17-point lead of their own. Valencia was able to fight back and got the game down to 4 points, but Monarch took off and uh, with this win they locked their playoff spot. Unfortunately, John Brown left the game with an ankle injury that looked uh, pretty bad. The, I would expect him to be missing some time. Hopefully he can come back in time for the playoffs. His energy was very important for them, especially defending Dubovic. Uh, where he was able to to give him some troubles and took a while for team captain for Valencia to get into the game do John's Brown's defense. Monaco, besides locking their playoff spot on this game, they stand in fourth place, tied with Barcelona in third with 20 wins and 10 losses record and two wins above Fenerbahce in, in fifth. And they can already smell the home court advantage. Let's see if they are able to close it. That will be a massive achievement for, for the team. That's uh, besides securing a playoff spot. They also guaranteed that they will be part of uh, EuroLeague next season and they certainly seem to belong. There. Valencia is in 12th, tied with Efes and Milano for 10th place and one win below 8th. It is a hard part for them to get into the playoffs, but uh, they are still in the fight and they, they deserve prizes for that. They, they are having a good season. They are not able to al always be consistent to, to be at the level of the top teams, but they are an, a very good team to watch. Tiago, I guess we can't just assume anymore that Monaco game will be a high score affair while their own scoring stays elite they are showing signs of being able to step up their defense and slow down their opponents is being able to do it in a consistent way the key for them to win in the offseason of course it is but i think they're taking baby steps uh 
it's very sad because they they suffered almost 80 points against Valencia. Although Valencia is a really good offensive team, uh, it's it's about getting some stops and uh, improving game by game. Uh, but yeah, it's like we always mention it. Uh, if they could step up on D, uh, Monaco would be uh, higher in our tiers. I think that we can agree on that. Um, but they're doing, but they're defending uh, good on the on the right momentum in the season, and let's see if they can keep up. Although Valencia had a, a really bad night on the three point uh, line, they shoot twelve out of thirty eight. We is not we're not used to see this on the Valencia side, um, but yeah, Monaco is, is playing some really good defense at times. Yeah, and that defense absolutely unlocks their transition game, and they are incredible at it, aren't they, Diogo? Yeah, for sure. Um, Monaco without Mike James, uh, they got their fifth straight win. Uh, they are playing as a team, uh, as a collective group. With uh, Elio Cobo and Jordan Lloyd controlling the game, they had different guys stepping up and helped the scoring load. It wasn't just these two. You had guys like uh, Gerald Blossom game, um, Dante Hall, like you mentioned, being the MVP of the game. Uh, the young guy, Strezel, uh, played pretty good with 13 points. So they just had different contributions from everybody. Uh, Chris Jones and Dublevich, uh, they tried to make something happen, but they just didn't have enough. So Monaco has been playing very good team basketball as of late, and I hope they continue this because if they can secure home court, uh, maybe they can make it to the Final Four, and I would enjoy that a lot because of the guard play. You guys already know. So it's a great win for them. It guaranteed them a playoff spot. So congrats to them. Diogo. What is your ideal Final Four in terms of guard, guard play? Which four teams would you want to have there? Monaco, Maccabi, fill the other two gaps. Uh, I don't know if I would have Maccabi in the Final Four. Uh, I want to see... Okay, I officially picked Barcelona, so I got to say Barcelona. Uh, I would like to see Barcelona and Real Madrid face off. Like A final would be great, but I, I don't want Real Madrid in the final, so... <laughs> I think the four teams uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid Monaco and Olympiacos I, I would I would really enjoy that uh, if if those could be the, the semifinals like um, Barcelona versus Real and Monaco versus Olympiacos that would be awesome because you have a Spanish derby on one side and on the other side you have um, Monaco and Olympiacos last year's playoffs uh, Olympiacos eliminated Monaco in a game five, and that was crazy. So maybe Monaco can get some revenge. They they beat Olympiacos both times this season, so I think that would be pretty interesting. But Fenerbahce probably makes it, but I would like these four teams. Let me ask Tiago, who is your point forward favorite Final Four? Let's start with Alba, fill the other okay, three gaps. I got Alba. <laughs> <laughs> I got Olympiacos, for sure, with the MVP. <laughs> I got to put... Um, Barcelona because of the Mirotic, and then I think I'm going with uh, with Partizan. I think that they involve a lot of the force and the uh, with Zekude and Matt in Lizard. So I think that's my my final four. Yeah, the final four we would enjoy to 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 watch. Alba Berlin sure. would win for sure. Yeah. Each one's yeah, Sigma for MVP. <laughs> he's, he's incredible. He's having an incredible season. But let's move on to one of those teams and let's speak about Partizan. And if I say that Alba was the surprise of the week, what to say about this Partizan performance that received and beat at Olympiacos 90-75. The MVP of the game was Matias Lasort with 12-10-3. James Nunnally with 19-4-5 and two steals. While for the visitors, McKinsky was the best one with 21 points, two rebounds and one assist. This was an extraordinary win for the home team in front of another sold-out arena. They showed that they belong on the EuroLeague playoffs and they took a huge step in that direction. They are now in 7th, tied with Maccabi, that is 6th, with 17 wins and 13 losses. And 2 wins above the playoff cut line, putting themselves in a somewhat comfortable position to make it. This incredible performance came on both sides of the court. 
against the, the first team in the standings. Partizan only allowed the, the visitors and only allowed Olympiacos to control the game in the third quarter and uh, dominated the other three quarters of the game. Partizan high intensity on defense and the way that they were able to perform gave a ton of trouble to Olympiacos, didn't it, Tiago? Eliandre, uh, I think that we're mentioning a lot of defense and it's really good to see this. Uh, but Olympiacos uh, was awful at the beginning. Uh, they they missed a lot of three points they were looking for, but they missed it. And I think it's we can we can put the blame on partisan on this because uh, they were putting Olympiacos uh, players on uncomfortable spots and situations. Uh, even Vezenkov uh, had an an awful night because Zach Lede was all over him. Olympiacos coach tried to 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 go to the to, to find some bench solutions with uh, Lorenzakis, uh, um, and Boy, but uh, they couldn't they couldn't improve the way they were playing. So shout out to Partizan, they they're playing such a good basketball, and we already said it. If they can step up on D. Uh, they would be a uh, really tough uh, playoff, playoff opponent for sure. And what about the dunk of Exum on Bolon Boy? Absolutely oh impressive. God. And putting like the team on his back on that moment and motivating them to, to close that v- impressive victory. Well, uh, let's just mention first that I picked Partizan to win this game and y'all didn't, so I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> Uh, now, but they've been playing great basketball lately, and they didn't stop here uh, versus the number one seed. They they dominated Olympiacos in a way that we haven't seen it this year. Uh, Olympiacos has consistently consistently been the the best team in Euroleague, and Partizan just played great defense, holding Sasha to six points, and the Olympiacos shot three of twenty from three. So it's a great job by Partizan's defense. And offensively, everybody had great great contributions. They had five players in double figures, and they shared the ball. They had guys like Punter and Nunali scoring at a high level. So it was very good. And about that dunk, to, to start the fourth quarter with a play like that, obviously got the crowd into it, and they just didn't look back and won by 15 points. Uh, about Olympiagos, I mean, they tried to, to keep their same play style. They... They still had 21 assists. Hold on, let me just check. Yeah, they, they had 21 assists. So the ball movement, movement and that continued. The, the shots just weren't falling. And that's credit to Partizan's defense. But 3 for 20, you're not going to win a league, uh, a EuroLeague game on the road, especially shooting 3 for 20 from 3. So this is a great win for Partizan. And they are picking at the right time as well. And I think they're going to be... They're going to be able to to put up a good fight in the playoffs, whoever the opponent is. Partizan will be a nightmare for whoever has to face them in the playoffs. They won't be favorites against any of the, the top teams, I think. They can have a very interesting matchup if they will play against Monaco, but they will be a team that for sure will extend a playoff series and playing on their home court will be extremely hard for, for anyone. Let's uh, end the recap of this round with a dominant win by one of the hottest teams in the competition, Milano. They won eight out of their last nine games this time around 99-74 against Bayern the MVP of the game was obviously Shabazny Pierre the key to unlock their offense as we have mentioned before with 20 points one rebound for assists and two steals Tunut had a get a, another great performance with 9-5-2 and two, while Obst was the best for Bayern in a career night with 10, 27 points one rebound and three assists Milano got a double digit lead with just under eight minutes played in the game, and they never looked back. Behind Ops' incredible performance, Bayern was able to to get the game down to 10 points at 50-40, but Milano took off again and ran away with uh, the victory. With uh, 21 rounds played, Milano had only six wins and 15 losses on their record. With four rounds left and after 30 games, their record is 14 wins and 16 losses. It's an absolutely incredible turnaround by by Milano. We have documented how Napier unlocked their offensive game, but uh, we keep seeing guys like Tunut, Davis, TLC, Melly, Baron, all contributing at uh, high levels, and their team play has a case to be one of the best of the EuroLeague in this moment. Still, it's somewhat unlikely for them to make it all the way into the playoffs. They trail one 
one win behind eight, but uh, they have a hard schedule ahead, uh, visiting Efes and Maccabi, uh, receiving Barcelona, and ending the season with a visit to their Italian rivals that for sure will want to beat them, Virtus. They might be playing as good or better than all of uh, these other teams, but they will need to perform a very big surprise to, to secure enough wins the rest of the way and be almost perfect to achieve the playoffs. But let's focus on this game and uh, what is Milano doing that makes them an almost unstoppable force right now, Thiago? You already mentioned it. Basket basketball is a team game and they're playing as a team, such an offense or, or on defense. And it's like you said, anybody can make a bucket. Uh, you see guys uh, having great games, Melly, Baron, Tonut. You know there there will be a bucket. You don't know where. Okay, you 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 guys you have guys like TLC who can score over fifteen uh, points uh, per game, and they can score from anywhere. They can score from three. They can drive, kick it out. Uh, it's really it's really good to see them playing and. I think that they're playing, if not the best basketball in Europe, one of the best basketball in Europe. Yeah, Milano is certainly up there, aren't they, Dio? Yeah, for sure. Uh, ever since that in Napier, and I know uh, we might be getting a little too... Uh, we might be repeating it too much, but the fact is he has transformed their whole team and they've won like seven out of eight, I think something like that, since having him. Um, and like I said before, defense was never the problem for Milano, uh, but it was the offense. And right now they are rolling, they are shooting more, they are playing faster. The scoring, passing, driving, everything, everything they need offensively is happening. And it starts with him. So credit to him and to the coach and the whole team. They've been playing very good basketball. They dominated the boards on this game. They got to the free throw line. They shot 63% from three. So they they completely dominated Bayern and Obst, like you said, had a career night. But as a team, Bayern didn't have nearly enough to to beat this Milano squad. Playing Milan with their eight win out of their last nine games would for sure be a nightmare if they can get to that eight spot. And we are kind of cheering for him for for them because teams that are playing at this high level are. Very enjoyable to watch. This was another European Hoops episode. Make sure you tune in Monday when uh, we will preview the round 31st. That is the first hand of the last doubleheader week of the season. Subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Twitter at Itos EuroLeague, where we bring you any news that break about the competition, must-watch games, injury reports, and our daily trades in the end of each day of the competition, bringing you all the highlights of the action. My name is Andre, and I'll be seeing you guys soon. Thank you, guys. Hope you guys enjoy the same as we did and stay tuned for more bye guys see you on next episode